On the Grindhouse Girls podcast, we discuss all things spoopy, scary, and strange. Some content may be disturbing or graphic in nature. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, Grindhouse Girls friends and fam. Let's swing it on back to the year 2017 when Chloe Okono, a young graduate from the American Film Institute with three short films already under her belt, was hired to direct a screenplay by Zach Ford after she submitted a 20-page presentation. Chloe and Zach would go back and forth many times with the story as Chloe adapted it for the screen. However, it wasn't until genre veteran Roy Lee became involved as a producer and suggested that the screenplay went from being told from a male and female point of view to just a female point of view that the story really took off. Add to the fact, due to filming starting during the pandemic and budgeting constraints moving the filming location to Romania, and then the story really started to develop in terms of both paranoia and alienation and both being a stranger in a strange land, as well as someone being watched. Of course, we are talking about the 2022 film Watcher that premiered at the 2022 Sundance Film Festival. We at Grindhouse Girls Podcast are very proud to cover our third 2022 Sundance film directed by a woman. So before we start, we beg the question, do you know who's watching you? This is the Grindhouse Girls Podcast. Hello, this is Katie. And hi there, I am Brittany. And we're doing Watcher, and you can probably hear Gizmo scratching at the door because he decided to do it right when we're starting recording. Of course. Hold on one second. Sorry about that. That's so good. So, yes, and how are you doing, Katie? I'm doing well. I am in the middle of a run of the vagina monologues at Birmingham Festival Theater. Um, which is really fun and important, and it's a cool show, so I hope y'all saw it if you're in the area. If you didn't, I did see it. <laughs> you did? Oh, hey, Brittany did see it. What was your review, Brittany? I enjoyed it. I really, really enjoyed it. So, uh, can I tell them the fun fact I've learned, Katie? Sure. So, uh, I saw Katie's dress rehearsal. Usually I try to see Katie's show opening nights. So, I saw the dress rehearsal. So, I've been saying I got to see the abridged version. Yeah, the unabridged. (laughs) Because, so, basically, Eve Ensler has added a monologue every year. And so, we tried to add some of those, but it got kind of out of the way. So, we waited until we had an audience to be like, hey, which ones were your favorites so we could cut some of them? Because <laughs> they're optional. But yeah, it ended up being much shorter. Now it's like a tight 90-minute show, which yeah. is great. But Brittany got to see like the three-hour version. Yes, so. I did. I was like, 
I was like, wow, because Taylor was asking me, my husband was asking me, he was like, what time do you think you'll be home around? And I was like, oh, if it starts around 7.30, I was like, let's start around like 9, 9.15. I was like, probably around 10. And then like at 10.15, I was like sitting in the chair. I was like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But oh, yeah. it was really, it was really, it was really great. Um, You know, there's some, I was telling Katie, I was like, it's, you know, um, it's beautiful, it's funny. I was like, but it's really fucking sad. There's a lot of the vagina monks. I think people literally think it's just like, haha, vaginas. But it's like, it's really, I have this one monologue where it, if you know, you know, it's a little coochie snorcher that could. And it starts off kind of cute and funny. And then it just takes a hard left turn to some really serious and triggering subject matter. But it's a great monologue. I love it. I love the character. She's fantastic. But it's just, it's a lot. And I had people gasp on Sunday, which hadn't happened before. But part of it is not funny. It's interesting because, like, some people laugh a lot during certain monologues where there's humor. And some people don't laugh at all, like, on other nights. And then for the same monologue. And it's just like, I never know what to expect. I'm just like, what's going to happen? I realized this about me as like a theater person. I don't know what it is, but I very, very rarely laugh during shows. Even when I think something's funny, I usually smile. I usually smile. So like the the entirety of the vagina monologues where there was like comical moments, I was smiling. I was like smiling really big. But I actually, I think out of the shows at BFT, the only one I laughed during was uh, Side by Side by Sondheim. I laughed out loud uh, a couple of parts in Side by Side. Oh, yeah. some uh, Yeah, some things are more obviously funny. And sometimes people are just like absorbing the material. Yes. And there's a lot to absorb in the vagina monologues. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> yeah <laughs> that was a wop joke everybody yes uh, which unfortunately did not make it into the pre-show but anyways but no so other than that like last week i was oh sorry as i yawned through this a fucking zombie this week i feel much better like because that's why we didn't record last week that's a well that's one of the reasons but like it was also easter and it was just a lot of stuff going on and it was like you know what it's going to be okay to take a break. Glad to be back. How about you, Britt? I, uh, what did I do this last week? Other than it was see the Easter. Oh, yeah. yeah, you were supposed to see your nephew show, which yes. is why you came to the dress rehearsal. Yep, and then he told me the wrong date, so I will be seeing that show this Friday. <laughs> so, yeah. I was like, uh, how was the show, Britt? And she was like, funny story. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. Uh, so it's Easter. Teenagers. We walked the dogs four miles, and then hey. I know we'll probably touch on this on the next side tracks. But we binge watched the entirety of Beef, so that was my Easter. <laughs> oh, did you like it? I've been waiting I to did. watch it. Okay, yes, I really, really did. Now I've only seen two. I don't even know how many TV shows A twenty four has done. I've only seen Euphoria and Beef, but I'm like, damn, A twenty four can do TV shows. Oh, I didn't like know A twenty four was involved. Now I definitely oh, been watching it. Yeah, A twenty four did Beef, and uh, Stephen Young can sing. I didn't know that was a thing, but uh, he's actually a really fucking great singer. Hey, he's great. He's great in the show. Uh, Ali Wong's great. It's just a great show. There's so much philosophical shit. There's so much like meaty stuff going on to it that I would love to talk about, but I don't want to spoil it because I know okay. you'll love it. But I know uh, we'll have some stuff to catch up on sidetrack, so I guess we should get into 
Watcher, uh, which before I forget is streaming on Shutter and Hulu via like the Shutter app or Hulu via the Shutter app. Am I reversing anyway? Shulu is Shutter <laughs> Prime Video via the Shutter app, or I yes. guess is there a Shutter through Hulu? I think there is. Yes, I think there it's is. It's Shutter. So wherever you get your Shutter, that's where you'll find it. I said Shulu, so obviously I created Shulu. a celebrity. <laughs> I created a celebrity uh, name for Shutter and Hulu. <laughs> um, but yeah, so this one, uh, this was pretty cool. Like we said in the opening, it, it premiered at Sundance. Kali Okuno, this was her feature film directorial and screenwriting debut. As Katie mentioned, I think maybe last time, she also uh, wrote the Storm Dragon segment in VHS 1994. She yeah. wrote, uh, yeah, wrote and I think directed, directed through it shorts. too. Yeah, yeah, wrote and directed. Yep. Yeah. And then uh, I didn't know this until I was looking up her IMBD. IMBD. She was also director of the season finale, which ended up being the series finale because it was canceled of what the right one in TV series. So she directed that last episode too. Oh hey. Mm-hmm. My dad actually said it was really good, and it has a pretty good, like, IMBD Rotten Tomato score. I just think the premise was not as interesting as the premise in the book. Yeah. I think the premise was basically The Last of Us without zombies. Mm, yeah. It was like, I older guy, father figure takes care of sick child who can take yeah. care of herself. Now, I thought this was interesting because it kind of confused me a little bit, so... It's based on a screenplay written by Sack Ford. So essentially, Sack wrote the original screenplay, and then Chloe Okuno took over and basically rewrote the screenplay for mm-hmm. the screen. The only thing I really find about Sack Ford, so he was director of a movie called uh, Girls' Night Out, mm-hmm. and uh, he was a co-director of a short called The Teacher. So yeah, and there is a fun IMBD trivia fact, which is this movie what that was originally scripted by Sack Ford was featured on Hollywood's 2016 blacklist which was mm-hmm. an annual list of unproduced most like spec scripts interesting that happens a lot mm-hmm. and then like eventually like five years later, like oh actually we are producing it yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah i just i really thought this i know we talked about this because i heard like i was reading like a um a little blog like last year it was like best movies best horror movies that came out in 2022 and i heard about mm-hmm. watcher and it had a pretty decent like imbd rotten tomato score and when i finally got around to watching it like the movie was only like maybe 98 99 minutes mm-hmm. and i t- i was telling you about it and you're like yeah i've been meaning to watch that one i just really liked it i didn't know what i was going to expect out of it but I guess it wasn't the movie I saw, but it was still really interesting, and it made me think after I watched it. So yeah, and I did read that Chloe was inspired by the Polanski Apartment Trilogy, but she uh-huh. was offer- also referencing Perfect Blue, Lost in Translation, and Seven. I did kind of get some Perfect all good Blue. Movies. Yeah, all good movies. So I did kind of feel a lot of what she uh, was putting out there. Yeah, I think the Lost in Translation is more of just, like, the stranger in a strange land kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And, like, walking around in a city. Because, like, the beginning of that movie, Scarlett Johansson's character, if you haven't seen Lost in Translation, because it was pretty big when we were kids, mm-hmm. like, teenagers. But maybe people haven't watched it now. Because I feel like it's kind of fallen out of popularity at this point. But, like, basically, like, Scarlett Johansson's husband is an actor in a movie, and she goes with him on his, like tour his press tour and that's why she's in tokyo and she's like just wandering around tokyo like she doesn't really have anything to do and she feels really aimless and that's how she 
runs into Bill Murray's character, and then they start running around Tokyo together having a good time. Yeah. So that was that. So there's a part in the movie where the main character is watching the movie Charade yeah. in the cinema. Um, which also, weirdly, um, Micah Monroe's in this movie. She played Jay in It Follows, which is the other movie, is the movie that she's going on the date with to see. Oh, yeah. Which is weird. That's Isn't that pretty weird? cool. That's cool, though. Uh, I like that. But I was, it does remind me a lot of Charade, because if you haven't seen Charade, have you seen Charade? I haven't. I've heard about it, but I've actually <gasps> never really? seen the movie. Mm-mm. It's so good. So basically, Audrey Hepburn is playing this lady who's in, like, an unhappy married with this guy named, I think his name is Charlie. And Charlie is murdered and thrown from a train at the beginning of the movie. And so she finds about Charlie's actually murdered. And she has the funeral for him. And these three or four guys show up. And apparently, like, Charlie was, like, helping them heist some money or jewels or something, treasure. And... They think she has it, but she doesn't know where it is because Charlie didn't share anything with her, which is why she wanted to divorce him in the beginning of the movie before she got widowed. So basically, Cary Grant is like this guy who's supposedly working for like the CIA, but he has like a bunch of different aliases. And so it's this whole like spy game in this in um, Paris, I want to say. And, like, she's running around. And I don't know if you've seen that clip of her in a phone booth. And she's like, I'm just having a nervous breakdown. That's from Charade. Yeah. That's, yeah. It's great. It's really, it's kind there's some slapstick, but there's a lot of, like, thriller to it. Because it's, it's almost like a spy thriller. It's, it's really good. But it's also kind of funny. But it also reminded me a lot of Don't Look Now in Suspiria. If you like any of those movies, you'll probably like this movie. Yeah, and it actually ended up being really, really cool because they, the original script was set in New York. And basically, because they filmed it during the pandemic, mm-hmm. they're just like, we have to take every safety precaution possible. We don't have a lot of money anymore for this film. Let's go put it in Romania. And it kind of gave that alienation. And like, and I guess Micah Monroe and Chloe Okuno have both like lived in different areas where they didn't know the language. And they're just like, it makes you feel isolated when you just can't communicate with people. But also because mm-hmm. it was a pandemic, everything looks empty. And it kind of reminds me of yeah. Possession in that fact. Not that, you know, Possession yeah, was obviously the bit. 80s. Yeah, but just the empty feeling. Like all these buildings, but no one really outside them or in them. So it definitely, like, sets the stage And I wonder if Bucharest is at all like that. Probably not. I don't know. I've never been to Romania. Something I didn't even notice until I also was reading an interview. And then I I did actually end up watching this one a second time just because it had been weeks since I've watched it. Was that Mm -hmm. they initially start uh, Julia, Micah's character, in reds. And then they slowly Uh mute her into beiges. And she starts to blend in with the background. As time goes on. Yeah. Which I like because she's literally trying to... Because, you know, obviously that's the premise of the movie. She feels she's being watched. And so she's trying to shift away from... She's someone who loves to be looked at. Essentially, she's in these bright, beautiful reds. And then suddenly by the end of it, she doesn't want to be looked at. She just wants to fade away because she's terrified. Yeah. And that's so subtly brilliant. I didn't even pick up on that the first time I, I didn't watched know. it. I think the thing this movie does really well is to really illustrate how scary not being a foreigner in a new places but also just being a woman yeah is because 
I can't tell you, especially like when I was younger, how many times like someone made me feel uncomfortable and I was told I was overreacting. You know, nowadays I don't feel like we get it quite as much, but I do think like there's a lot of people who like, there are many women who have been victims of violent crimes who have sounded alarm bells and who have said, hey, this person's really weird. I need to take out a restraining order. I need to report them. I need to do this. And like, everyone's like, okay, but you're overreacting. And then something happens to them and everyone's like, I wish we would have listened. And it's like, well, yeah, because maybe you should just believe people and not just be a dick. But this movie is like so much of people is just like, Julia, you're overreacting. Like, it's maybe it's just this. Maybe it's just that. And it's that thing where like we don't want something bad to be the reality. But yeah. if it is, wouldn't you be more prepared? Like the neighbor says it the best. She's like, well, it's better to be like look like a crazy person. And scream at someone in the street than to be, you know, killed. Yeah. And it's like, fair. Fair. Be weird, be rude, stay alive, as Crime Junkie says. Yeah. And it's also, like, very, very sad because, like, even Chloe brought this up. She's like, you know, the thing is, is that you you have to play, you have to walk this very fine line of you want to be credible, so you can't be hysterical, but you're also yeah. terrified. But if you get, like, if you get too hysterical, then you're written off. Yeah, there's a really good scene after the marketplace scene where Julia's, like, thinking about how to present what happened that day in the most believable way without getting hysterical. Yeah. Like, she's like, Oh, like, it's not, it's probably not a big deal. And, like, her husband, like, she has to get him to ask her to tell her so she has a reason to tell him. Because if she just hysterically tells him what happened, he's not going to believe her. It's not that he doesn't want to believe her. He'll just, he'll just write it off because he doesn't want to think that anything's going wrong. You know, it reminds me, so, and it's, it's not just men and women. Like, there's a lot of vulnerable people in this world. But I will say something interesting that came out of doing the vagina monologues is I was having a discussion with a fellow actor and she's a she's a professor and she was talking about how she had read a study where a teacher in like high school asked maybe it was college, but they asked their male students point blank, what do you do before you leave the house to ensure you don't get raped? And all of them laughed and said nothing. And then she asked the same thing to the women in the class. And they, you know, just listed a thousand things. They're like, you know, I bring my pepper spray, bring my knife, bring my taser, make sure um, I have my location turned on, make sure everyone knows where I'm going, make sure I go with other people and don't leave the house alone. You know, it's so different. And it shouldn't be that different. Everyone should be able to walk out of their house. But you think about just like, and like Micah Monroe's, to my knowledge, a cisgendered woman. But like, think about like trans women. Do you know how much violence is inflicted upon trans women? It's like you think women, like cisgendered women, are victims of murder. Like if you take trans women into that equation, it's like tripled. It's ridiculous, yeah. especially black trans women. So like, it is like an interesting look. It's a subtle look at it, but how dangerous the world can be for marginalized people, and how people treat victims before they're victims yeah you know what i mean because a lot of times people are like i saw the signs and i tried to warn people but nobody listened to me because people don't want to hear that they're like i don't want to think that somebody's getting murdered next door to me it's like well 
it's better to talk about it than have it happen, you know? It's interesting. I think this movie also does a very good job in towing the line where it's also everyone has, it seems like they have some degree of sympathy for her. Like, you know, like, oh, you're stressed or, you know, oh, you're lonely. And her husband, that's what I really liked about, like, how they wrote Francis is that you could have made him really unlikable. But instead, it's like he does seem very, very caring to the situation. It's just that he doesn't believe her. And that's where the injustice is, is that, like, you know, she so firmly sees what's happening, but no one around her does. Yeah. And it's so frustrating. Yeah. But yeah, it's just an interesting movie. So if any of that interests you, you should definitely check it out. I guess, should we get into spoiler territory? Or is there anything yeah. else we want to touch on beforehand? I think that's, I think that's mainly, mainly everything as far as kind of like filling it out and kind of yeah. giving a little bit of a background of the movie. Yeah. Um, so I think that's most of it, honestly. I will say... The cinematography is really excellent, and the cinematographer is Benjamin Kirk Nielsen, who apparently does a lot of Danish television, but also was the cinematographer for Chloe Okono's movie short film Slut, which is like a film where like a young girl like tries to make herself more presentable to the male people in her small town, and then everyone calls her a slut, apparently. I'm like, wow, interesting. True. But also, okay, so you mentioned Roy Lee as a producer. The yes. other producer, the executive producer, Gabby Antol, helped with Cold Mountain. But also, okay, so I, I think I've shared this. I love to buy bad movies just as much as I like to buy good movies. And the bargain hunt that I used to live near had a huge collection of just random DVDs. And they were like... Everything from, like, blockbusters to, like, like independent movies to, like, one time I bought a copy of Thoroughly Modern Millie and it turned out to be a high school production. Oh, wow. Yeah. But it was, like, it was so many copies. It's, like, someone, like, redid it. It wasn't a very good version of it, unfortunately. But um, but I, one of these bad movies I bought is called Little Ghost. And the cover is just really ridiculous looking and very, like... Or like late 90s early 2000s and that person this person produced that as well so I'm, i just started laughing because i was like oh my god they produced that movie that i have on my shelf that i honestly have not even like checked out i thought it was funny yeah that's the um literal thing i came across was it says um so it was Worley and Spooky Pictures partner Steven Shiner agreed to produce and finance for their new deal with image nation abby dhabi so they like basically they produced the film and then he was the one that was like I without spoilers, basically I guess the original script was for a male and female point of view and he was like, How about we just make it like a rosemary baby? Like he's like, We'll do an homage to it and just make it entirely for her point of view. Which I like because I think the first time you're watching it you almost feel like you really, really want to believe what's happening to Julia, but you do kind of, you're like, well, where's this leading? Is it like in her head? Is she nervous? Is she having a breakdown? I, I did yeah. get a lot out of it, I think, with a second rewatch. And I feel like if you had both point of views, it wouldn't have been the same film. Um, yeah, because like you would have been like, oh, you know what's happening. But exactly. not knowing what's happening makes it better. That's what Roger mm-hmm. Ebert, or the, well, RogerEbert.com, not actually Roger Ebert. But it was like the scariest part of this movie is imagining what 
might happen next. And yeah. you, that's the scariest thing of all, which is true. When you leave a little bit up, there is, I will say, towards the end, there is some satisfaction of action, but a lot of it is a buildup. But it's not an overly slow buildup, so it's not boring. Like, it's all, it's it's both mundane and heightened because, like, like the scenery is beautiful and everything's, like, heightened. But, like, it's also something, like, I could see myself doing what she does. Yeah. And they did want to, they said that when they were writing Julia and they were fleshing her out, they wanted to make it seem like, what would you do? Like, if I was in her shoes or if you were in her shoes, what would you do as the next logical step? And it's like, yeah, it's, she feels like a real person. And yeah. <laughs> A slight, you know, slight spoiler, but even when she's like, okay, it's time to pack my shit. Like, it's like, yeah, I think that would be, like, the boiling point for me, too. Definitely. Anyway, so I guess we're going to get into spoilers now. Yeah. So yes. I, can, I can give us a quick, quick rundown of the movie oh, before yeah. we do that. So, once again, we are talking about Watcher. It's on Shutter, Hulu, Amazon Prime. Is there another one I'm missing, Katie? I think it's just, I think it's still technically a Shudder exclusive, but it's through all the Shudder things, I do believe. So, when Julia and her husband Francis moved to Romania for Francis's job, it marks a new beginning for the couple. Julia starts to learn Romanian, explores the city, and adjusts to her surroundings before she realizes she's being watched. As news of a serial killer floods across the city, and a familiar face seems to follow her at every turn, Julia starts to realize something sinister is at play. If only people believed her. It's a great, I mean, like, that's the thing. And you know, Katie hears me bitch about this weekly. Like, I love a good three-hour movie, but my ADHD does not. So this is, like, yeah. the perfect little... This good is length. Like the, yeah. Like 87% on Rotten Tomatoes. Mm-hmm. It's a good one. It is. It's, it, it's, you can watch it in no time and still have plenty of time to do whatever else you want to do in your day. So it gives a little rundown of the characters I've got. So we, we already said Micah Monroe plays Julia. Mm-hmm. I do like that Julia is an actress who's decided to give up on acting because it hasn't worked out for her. It is a very hard career to be successful at. Um, and she's like reevaluating her life, which I think is cool. If you don't remember Micah Monroe, she was in It Follows and The Guest. Yes. Which we covered both of those. She's also in the TV, a TV show called The Stranger, which I haven't checked out yet, but it's on my list. And there's another movie that's streaming right now that she's in called Significant Other, which is another like thriller where she's hiking with her partner and something starts hunting them in the woods. But I haven't watched it yet, but I've heard it's pretty good, too. Carl Glusman? Glusman? I don't know how to say his last name, but he's been in a lot of stuff that I like. Oh, um, yeah. Francis. Um, so he's a marketing executive, and his mother is Romanian. So he already speaks Romanian, and he's Julia's husband. And he gets promoted and brings her along to Romania with him, where she does not speak anything. Any, any Romanian. His other works include, he was in the Devs TV series, which I got halfway through and then fell asleep during, not because it was boring, just because I was tired and never went back and finished it. But it was good from what I saw. The Neon Demon, which we did here, and mm-hmm. Nocturnal Animals. Yeah. Is there anything I'm missing with him? 
Those no. are the three I had. Oh, Murphy in Love, which is funny because we were just talking about Gaspar Noe's love on Possession. But yeah, so I think is he, he was... Wait, he, is he in love? Yeah, he's in love. I oh, think I he's one of the leads. I always forget that he's in love. Yeah. I haven't watched it yet. <laughs> yeah, and then I just thought it was interesting because he's done dubbing work for some anime. I was like, okay, voice actor too. That's always interesting. All right, all mm-hmm. right. Yeah, he's the he's like the nice guy in Neon Demon who like tries to date her and then she's like, I'm too cool for you. And then bad things happen. But yeah. listen to that episode for that one. Then, okay, this face, I had to look it up while I was watching it because I was like, I know this guy's face. And I looked it up. And so Burn Gorman plays Weber, who's uh, the across the street neighbor. And he's the watcher, but not the watcher. That's a different series. But he was... Uh, he was Carl um, Han Tanner in Game of Thrones, and he was one of the Night's Watch, right? Yeah, he's a little bitch. Uh, he's he a starts, little bitch. Yeah, he starts to mutiny at Craster's Keep, and like you yes. see, like he kills Jarrah Mormont, Jorah's father, and he's literally drinking out of his skull. And he yeah. gets his comeuppance. He gets killed by Jon Snow. So, he does. like, it's great. Yeah. But yeah, like, I was like, that's the guy from Craster's Key. But he also is in Enola Holmes, which I have not watched yet, the new Pinocchio movie. And he was the detective that the dad hired in Crimson Peak. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I think it's interesting because he does have, like, I mean, I he may be a very, very lovely person, but he kind of is scary looking. He's and got a very intense stare. Yeah, Chloe Okuno described it as he has like extra muscles in his face that kind of allows him to do things with his face. Um, and then we've got probably the only other significant characters, Madalena Ania as Arena, who is Julia's neighbor, who she knows English because she was a ballet dancer in London, but now she's a performer in a nightclub. And she's, like, one of the only people Julia can converse with in town. Like, because some people know a little bit of English, but not a lot. And she's, like, the only person that Julia, like, that actually welcomes her. And also, you know, is receptive to her worries and anxiety. She's like, you're not crazy. I would do the same thing. I found this funny. She's been in a lot of Romanian films, including The the Importance of Being Andy and Exodus to Shanghai. But... I thought this was funny. She's in like a made-for-TV Christmas movie called A Princess for Christmas with Sam Hewen from Outlander. Yes. he he. She's not the princess, but she's in that movie somewhere. Yeah. Also, by the way, you'll like this. This popped up on my, on my ads for YouTube yesterday. Sam Hewen is doing a voiceover on the Calm app. Oh, yeah. So if you want him to talk you to sleep, go oh, get I know. that. Taylor would be so jealous. Yeah. (laughs) So I think we already talked about, like, the psychological thriller aspect of this. I do like this, like, voyeurism and loneliness kind of dual sword. Like, it's, it's, I'm sorry, dual, dual sides to a sword. What was it? Two sides of the same coin. That's what I was trying to say. Because, like, she's very lonely and she sees that someone is watching her, but then yet she's also watching other people because she's trying to figure out if she's being watched. Yeah. It's It's very interesting. Yeah, that duality kind of to the situation. Yeah. Well, like, how they set it up right at the beginning. So she's in, like, a cab, and she's in the backseat where her husband, and basically, the cab driver and her, they kind of speak, and then, like, he's like, oh, she she doesn't speak Romanian. And she's like, no, I'm sorry, I don't. And he automatically starts speaking in Romanian. And it's kind of like, okay, she just told you she doesn't speak Romanian, and he's 
complimenting her. Like, he basically tells her, he's like, I told your husband you were beautiful. But still, right off the bat, like, she's put in a situation you can tell she's uncomfortable and she's out of her element. Well, and, this and that is, happens a lot with, yeah. because she doesn't know Romanian. So, like, she's having dinner with her husband's co-worker and his wife and, and her husband. And, like, they start joking and she's like... Do I need to wait for the grown-ups to stop talking? Because yeah. it's like they keep talking Romanian even though they can speak English and they know that she can't speak Romanian. Or at least they think that she doesn't understand it. And there's something just so, like, isolating about that. And it's like, you know, you can't expect everybody to speak, especially if you live in a foreign country. It's it's not logical to think that everybody will speak whatever language you speak. And she's like trying really hard to learn Romanian, but her husband, his mom was Romanian, so he grew up speaking the language, so he's obviously ahead of her. Yeah. And so she just feels so isolated. And I'm like, that. I mean, and I'm sure like part of it would be great, but part of it is probably really scary. Well, we see early on, so there's like a scene where she's like waiting for him for like a late date night and they, he doesn't get home till really late and they go for a walk in the city and she sees a crime scene and she has no idea what's going on. Like she relies on him for translation. He's like no one mm-hmm. else. So so the next day they see a news report and then like he's like oh the woman was murdered and she's like does she did they say how she died he's like no and then they were having that dinner with the friends his co-workers and they're like yeah she was decapitated and she's like you didn't tell me that and he's like oh they didn't mention that and at that point the second time i watched it it struck me i was like did they really not mention that or is it something he didn't think she could handle and he withheld yeah, that from her i think the way he's playing it, I think they didn't mention it, but it does sow seeds of doubt because then later on he makes like a joke, like at her boiling point. Yeah. So like basically what's going on in the city, if we're in spoilers, we haven't watched it, is they find out with that there has been a serial killer for about a month in that area of Bucharest and they are attacking women and using knives at their throats or decapitating them. Mm-hmm. And like one, there's one survivor and she's like, he put a bag over my hat and then he held a knife up to my neck and then he just watched me. And then towards the end of the movie, she thinks it's the neighbor across the street, but then someone else gets arrested for the crime. And so her husband, they're at like a work function, a cocktail thing. And her husband in Romanian makes a joke about, well, at least she has a spider to keep her company. Yes. He doesn't know that she's been studying Romanian because she was going to surprise him. And so she's like, what did you say? And she figures it out. And he's like, oh, no. And she gets pissed. Yeah, because it's awful because it's like it's obviously a private thing that she's struggling with because at this point she's like, she's like, I feel like I like this is real, but everyone else is making me feel like I'm crazy. And so the fact that he fucking confides about it to coworkers and then makes a joke out of it is just so yeah. disheartening. Because he's like, oh, she'll never hear it anyways. So who the fuck cares? I'm like, why would you ever say something like that in front of that person, though? Yeah. Because you never know. It's just so stupid. It's so awful. And I mean, he's not even like, I don't even think he's really trying to be cruel. No. I think he really thinks what she doesn't know can't hurt her, which yeah. is not the way to exist. And he's trying to, like, impress his co-workers and stuff, but he's making his wife the butt of the joke to impress his co-workers, which is really which is sad. so mean. Yeah, I don't understand that whole my wife is crazy kind of humor or my husband's a jerk kind of humor. It's like that. It's like, oh, yeah, now I'm just going to poke fun at her because she's mentally unstable. But she's not mentally unstable. But he just assumes she is because... 
the person that she suspects is really smart. Yeah. He's really good at playing the system. Yeah, but yeah, there's just this awful loneliness. And then she meets Arena, and she's like, oh, she's really nice. And Arena is, like, talking to her. And then she follows the neighbor guy to Arena's, what turns out to be Arena's work, which is, like, this nightclub that she dances at. And Arena's like, I don't really notice him because people come and go here. <laughs> people come and go here in the strangest of ways. Yeah. Just to quote, <laughs> quote Wizard of Oz for a second. But, but... He's, like, working as a janitor there. Which, do you think he really was working as a janitor? Or do you think he was trying to pretend to be the janitor? I actually, I have a feeling that he was working as a janitor just okay. because he's taking care of his elderly father. I'm like, there has to be, like, some sort sort of income, like, there. Yeah. I don't know. I think, I think it's just, like, and I wonder if, like, basically, like, Irina was the main target until he noticed her noticing him. Yeah. Oh, I think she definitely was. Because then, of course, like, She's like, okay, well, I'll see you later. She's like, yeah, I'll see you later. And then she hears screaming in her apartment and banging. And so she gets the landlady to open up the door. And then, of course, there's nothing going on except the other neighbor's cat is in there. And she's like, oh, God, maybe I am crazy. And then it turns out at the end of the movie. Oh, God, you got to talk. Oh, please, because it's one of the best part. So after she not talk about it. No, 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 no. I'm going to let you talk about the end. But, like, what the part that, like, sent chills down my spine. Is the the subway? Yes. Oh, yeah, because she's sitting in the subway. Yeah. And there's, like, obviously someone in the background. And she's already been told by the police that this is not the guy. We've arrested another man for the murders. This isn't the guy. And then the freaking Weber guy is there. And she's Mm -hmm. like, ah, fuck. And then he comes and sits across from her and he has a plastic bag. And there's something mm. in that bag. It's perfectly... It, oof. It's like, it's just obscured enough, so you can't be 100% sure it's a severed head. But it sure looks like it. Yeah. You know? And she just keeps looking at the bag and looking at him, and she's like, oh no. I love the way this is filmed, too, because he's talking, but as she... As it kind of, like, focuses more and more on the bag, and you as the viewer focus more and more on the bag, it's like you hear him talking, but it's kind of being drowned out by that, mm-hmm. like, the pulsating fear of what she knows she's looking at. And, like, the longer you look at it, you start to see, like, the shadow of the eyes and, like, the open mouth and, like, the You're fine like, cheeks. Oh, no. Yeah, oh, and no. then he tells her, he's like, and then I realized what I wanted was an apology. And you're like... She's like... And she does what I think any of us would do in that in that minute. She says she's sorry and she gets the fuck off there. She yeah. like gets out of there and she goes she home knows. to like pack her bag and she's yes. like, "I'm gonna get out of here." And then she hears screaming or um, oh, what is she? No, she goes. It's what music. She it's music. music. That's what it is. Yeah. So another time it was the cell phone. So I was like, "Is it the cell phone?" No, it's music. So mm. she hears music and she's like. Well, maybe I am crazy. Maybe Arena is just at her house and the door is unlocked and she walks in. She has her phone on her, but for some reason doesn't have 911 on speed dial or whatever the Romanian equivalent of that is. But okay. And she finds Arena's decapitated Ugh. body just sitting Ugh. in kind of almost like a dancer position, like the way her feet are. Oh, like my it's God. very graceful, but it's also really sad. And you're like, oh my God. Yeah. And then you find out the guy's like, yeah, I had to go hide in the closet with her 
when you were when you had all the neighbors come in like that was so inconvenient and it's like oh my god so she was right the whole time yeah they just didn't search hard enough and then i'm like what would have happened if they just opened that closet yeah would it have been chaos or would he have just let them take him i, I don't know i would love an alternative universe for all the elderly women just to beat the fuck out of him honestly <laughs> like just well, they didn't believe her either though yeah but it's like they had opened the door and there he was holding that woman with like a knife to her throat and just like all these elderly women just like start like hitting him and stuff i mean that's like an alternative <laughs> fantasy of what i would have lo- loved to happen that'd be really funny mm-hmm. but i think the best part is so the way they fake you out it's not a terrible fake out like, I was like, I'm pretty sure I know how this is going to end. But for a second there, I was like, oh, no, this is just going to end, sadly. So she hears her husband come home. And so she yells, she starts yelling, and he slits her throat. Yeah. But he doesn't slit it completely. So she's very slowly bleeding out. And so she tries, she knows that Arena has a gun in her coffee table. Because she showed it to her earlier in the movie. So she's like, okay, I'm going to go for the gun. But she's like losing so much blood. She's like slowly crawling over there. And then just short of the coffee table, she stops. And you think she's dead. And he creepily lays next to her. Yeah, like mirrors her. It's really creepy. Yeah, it's very creepy. And then he gets up and like goes to wash his hands. And he sees a little girl watching him from the other window, which is terrifying. Yeah. Because what did that little girl see? That poor little girl. And then he goes to wash his hands. And then he goes to leave. And oh, because her phone starts ringing as he's leaving. Because the husband, Francis, is like, where is she? And calls her phone and he hears it ringing in the next apartment over. Also, I love that she lied to Arena at the beginning and Arena's like, can you hear me in your apartment? She's like, no, not really. Cause she's trying to be nice. Yeah. But like, you can. So they hear the phone ringing and like, he like starts going towards Weber cause he sees him in the hallway. He's like, what if you, basically he's like, oh no, she was right. What the fuck have you done to her? And before you can even get to him, you just hear like shots fired. It's her. She has gotten the gun and she just shoots him twice. But she's also like still bleeding from the neck. So when she finally walks out of the doorway and the last like frame is her like looking at her husband like, I fucking told you so bitch. Yeah. It's fantastic. It's like, bitch are you serious? I think the ending's probably the best part. I love the ending. I think that's what, like, I like the movie, but the endings was definitely elevated it for me. Because I actually, honestly, in the in the heat of the moment, because I was going to go there in that movie, I was like, you know, what if this movie's nihilistic, this woman's not believed, and then she dies like this. And so I had completely, mm-hmm. for some reason, just fucking forgotten about the gun the first time I watched it. I was just like, she's just crawling, trying to get out. So when she shoots oh. him, I was like, oh, shit. That's right, she had that gun in her table. I completely forgot it. See, I was like, I remembered the gun, but it was almost the same reaction because I was like, she's going for the gun. She's going to get it. She's going to get it. And then she like, you know, dies right beforehand, quote unquote. And I was like, oh, no. Because you're just so like, mad. you're like, oh my god, this is like this little like indie horror movie. Like they're gonna, they're, she's gonna die, and this is gonna be the end. And it actually, I don't know if you ever saw this movie from the early '90s, but I did with my mom when I was a kid. There's a movie called Sleeping with the Enemy with Julia Roberts. I haven't seen it yet, but I know what it's about vaguely. So I'm gonna spoil this ending for you. I'm so sorry, oh, but no, the- don't spoil it. No, spoil it. Here, I'm taking my headphones out. You spoil it. I'll come back. Okay. 
So basically, the reason that this movie kind of reminds me of that movie is that Julia Roberts, like, her ex-husband's abusive, and she starts this new life all over, and her ex-husband finds her, and at the end of the movie, she goes to pick up the phone, and he's like, oh, you're gonna call 911 to protect you, and she goes, she goes, 911, I just shot and killed an intruder in my house, and she shoots and kills him, and it was like that kind of like, oh, shit moment, and that's what it reminded me of, I... Love that. And uh, so even though it's been years since I've seen that movie, that's instantly what it brought me back to. You know what it reminded me of? What? The end of Fatal Attraction. Oh, yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. yeah. You're Which right. not the original ending. The original ending was that she, she just slit her throat. I think. Or, yeah. No, no. Yeah, yeah that's right. She, and she framed him for murder. Yeah, exactly. But the, the ending where the wife shoots him is, or yeah. shoots her is Way cooler. Because you think, you're like, oh, no, it's never going to end. And the wife's just like, I got a gun. Not not, yeah. not saying that people should have guns. I'm just saying the only yeah. reason you should have a gun is for self-defense and not other things. And that goes back to that whole tester audience moment where when they did that original ending for Fatal Attraction, the tester audience, they were like, no, they won in her blood. And that's where they brought in the wife. And they're like, yes, because she deserves that moment. She deserves to kill the mistress, yeah. right? But also, like, like the whole point of Fatal Attraction was, like, I mean, she has mental illness, and it's untreated, yeah. and it's really sad, but then it's also, like, then it's also really sad for the family. I don't know. It's a very, yeah. like, it's a tangled web. I like the, I, I, you know, and the thing is with the subplot, I won't go on a whole Fatal Attraction tangent, but, like, she's pregnant, and, like, I, I don't think that's ever something that in the movie they said she made it up. It's, like, I think legitimately she's pregnant with his baby. Like, that is legitimate. Mm. Yeah. So, because I, I rewatched that movie probably, like, a year ago, and I was like, oh, at some point they're gonna, you're gonna find out she's lying about being pregnant with the baby, but it never, never comes did. to fact. Yeah, so she's probably actually pregnant with the baby um but yeah anyways this yeah the ending though i i like the whole movie but the ending was the thing that just completely elevated it for me that i was just like yes like you know it just felt like this uh hurrah that even though no one believed her that she was right and not only was she right but she came out swinging and i love that mm-hmm. yeah it's i guess the best part of the movie but also i will say also the city is beautiful so yes. it's really nice to look at. I do love that the villain isn't the most threatening person, but is, like, definitely creepy. But he is normal enough that he passes in society, and that's why he fools people. Yeah. I have a question. Yes. Would you move to Romania if Taylor got a job there? Okay, so I would move with Taylor because I love him. He's my husband. Absolutely. The only thing is, is that realistically, I'm just like, no, nah, if they said we couldn't take the dogs and the cats and it'd be like sorry taylor love you but, <laughs> <laughs> but i mean if it was just like a me and her him and her situation where it's just the two of them then yeah i, yeah. I would i would relocate with my spouse and the only thing that would scare me is the language barrier really like that's the thing is like if i could speak to people if you move me to ireland or scotland or england or i mean well a lot of people speak english all over the world but i'm like it would a little scare me a little bit to, like, not know the language because I would always be like, oh, what are they saying? I'm so confused. Also, do you think Francis is a shitty husband? You know what? And I was about to ask you a question. I was about to be like, oh, so. what was your question? Would, it's actually related to Francis. Would you, okay, cool. would you consider this grounds for divorce after this incident? I don't. Okay. Oh. 
right? Here's the thing. <laughs> I don't know what their life was before they went to Romania. Yeah. It doesn't seem like they, like, it's not, like, one of those stereotypical, like, oh, this is our new beginning because, like, we've gone through a troubled spot or anything like that. It just seems like they're a young couple. They're, they haven't been married super long. And, you know, she tried the acting thing. It didn't work out. And his job is working out. So that's why they transferred. Yeah. I do feel like at first he's fine. But at some point, he just stops believing her and gets kind of annoyed. But he never, like, is abusive but that would really hurt my feelings if i was like i swear someone is following me and my partner was like honey i think you're just stressed out you know i'm like maybe i am but i know me it's gaslighting gaslighting bothers me and it's not i don't think he's purposely trying to gaslight her i think he wants to believe that they're safe where they are and that she's safe and he has to work so much he can't be home yeah. And the thing that the only line that really bothered me was like, hey, if that guy comes over, I've you've got a big, strong man to protect you. And I was like, he's just going to kill you, too, dude. And that's so misogynistic, you asshole. Not even misogynistic, just sexist. It's a little sexist. And I know he was joking, but I was like, you're not going to stop him single handedly. I'm just saying. And see, for me, I would say. Probably not divorce, but definitely a lot, a lot of marriage therapy. <laughs> so much counseling. A lot of counseling, because I think it goes back to, so the second time I rewatched this, when he's like, you know, when she tells him about the grocery store and she tells him she thinks someone's following, he just like, without hesitation, he's like, do you want to go watch the tapes? Like, you know, like he's yeah, willing. Yeah, all for him. Yeah, he's willing to be there for her, but it's just like, when it came down to the wire, he didn't want to believe that the anxiety she was feeling was really something. And well, to I think me, also it was work too. Like he didn't want to like embarrass himself. Yeah, and something. that's and that's the thing. It's like you know he kept going to lunch after lunch after lunch, and that's it's also hard uh-huh. because it's like you know I I also have a husband that has to do a lot of lunches and stuff. But at what point is it like do we really have to go to these lunches, these late night lunches every every day? When I'm feeling scared in you a new city, have to. right? So I mean, what? Why doesn't he draw the line at some point? Too? Yeah, that's the problem for me. Is I've definitely been in relationships before where work was the most important thing, and I was like, to me, money is nice. I want to have enough money in my bank account that I am not. I'm able to pay my bills and maybe like go on vacation every once in a while. And be able to buy the food I want to buy to make breakfast or dinner, you know? Yeah. Whatever. That's what I want money-wise. But, like, I think family and your relationship and your friendships and people are more important than money. And I've been in a relationship where with someone who felt the exact opposite. And so, like, there'd be, like, a thing. And I would be like, hey, so in two months on a Saturday when you aren't supposed to be working, it's somebody's birthday. And then it gets close to that day, like, oh, I have to work that Saturday. I'm like, no, you don't. We have had plans for two months. Did you not tell them? Like, well, it did, but they need me to work. I'm like, well, too bad. Yeah. Like, you have to. And I I didn't even say it. It started out as, oh, okay. But then it was just like I was going to everything by myself, and it was so fucking lonely. And, like, to me, I'm like, I get that work is important. And work is important. Especially if you're the sole provider, but this person wasn't the sole provider. I was the only person paying any bills at this point. So, uh, anyways, but it's like, 
you have to make time for the people that care about you and job should not leak into your personal life that much. And I think that is something that coming out of the pandemic, people have learned pre pandemic though, which is when this news written. I think a lot of people did work way too long and it did, you know, bleed into their family time. And so like, I think this kind of relationship was way more common pre 2020. I think nowadays, a lot of employers understand that everyone's reevaluated their, their life and people do set work boundaries much more solidly than they have before, or at least than they have in the past, like two decades at least. And so I think hopefully coming out of this, people will be like, listen, I know we're supposed to have dinner with a client, but my wife's been home alone three days straight. I can't. Yeah. That should be acceptable. Okay. Do you think there was ever a way to save Arena? Oh, God. Um, I don't know. I feel so bad for Arena because she's like, she seemed like such a good person, like a caring person. Um... I don't, I don't really know if there was, to be honest. I think he probably had his plan going for Arena for forever, probably even before Julia and Francis ever moved in, if I'm being honest. Um, he was somehow able yeah. to get in her apartment. I still don't know how, because we know with Julia, he left Irina's apartment unlocked and she came in when she heard the music. I'm not for sure how he got in Arena's apartment, especially when she had a gun. Well, if he worked at the same place, yeah, he could have made a copy of her key. Yeah, which is just, like, so sad. I I don't... I hate to say it like that because I usually like to have an optimistic outlook. I can't think of a reason or a way right now. Could you? Not really. Unless she stayed there that night with Arena at her job and mm-hmm. walked home with her. Yeah. To me, that's what I would have done. I would have hung out all night and walked home together. Yeah. But then she probably felt like she had already gone so far that she was like, oh, this is silly. Yeah. But I probably would have walked home with her, to be honest. Also, I would have opened every fucking closet in her apartment. Yeah. I know. Well, there is, like, that moment where Julia looks at the closet for just a minute. Mm -hmm. Like, she almost senses there's something, but she just doesn't go for it. But once again, that's a societal thing because she already is making – She's feel like she's being made to feel crazy. And here's all, yeah. like, these apartment attendants just staring at her like, oh, it was just the cat that knocked over the light. And it's once again that moment where she understands there's something deeper going on, but she's putting up a front for the other people there. Yeah. Yeah. Was there anything you didn't like about the movie? Like, any low points? Um, nothing I could think of that was just glaringly obvious. No, I I can't really think of anything that I just didn't like at all. What about you? The only thing, and this wasn't bad for me, but I do think it's not a lot of action, Mm. but it's also not a very long movie. So for me, that wasn't really a negative thing. It's it's more slow moving than maybe some other movies, but like I didn't find it like terribly slow. But if you're looking for like a thriller where people are getting murdered every other scene, that's not what you're looking for. This isn't John Wick. So, <laughs> sorry. Um, did you what did you rate this one? So, I did give it a 8 out of 10. Hey. Mm. I gave it a 7 out of 10, but like solid 7 out of 10. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. was it was really good. I just like I feel like because it's a little more of a thriller and less of a horror, I couldn't recommend it to everybody. Yeah. And I did watch it twice, but like I don't think I'll watch it a third time. 
Fair enough. Anytime soon? Yeah. But I liked it a lot, and I think it's worth your time. Yeah, I um, would say so. Did you have any Grindhouse Girls ratings? I did. So I rated it S for Subways, Spiders, and oh. Serial Killers. <gasps> I like that. I don't really like mine. I had two. Mine was rated N for Nosy Neighbors and Necklace Nancys. Necklace Nancys. Yeah, but necklace. Oh, ha, ha, ha. And then rated L for lonely leerers and lovely cities. Oh, But I like rated S. Yeah. So our next episode is going to be our anniversary episode. Yeah. Right? So we'll have so. a sidetracks in the anniversary. Yeah. Yes. Our next, I should say our next full episode mm-hmm. is going to be um, our anniversary episode. And we, well, sidetracks will also be this theme as well. Um, right. Yeah, so, so gonna, it's gonna be a loose discussion, right? Not a like loose a discussion. Not yes, like a, a loose discussion. Not like write down every actor for every movie. Right, no. So basically we heard first of all, okay. We didn't know Disappointments Boulevard, I mean, that is now Bo is afraid, mm-hmm. was going to release in the spring. I it had been said fall of twenty twenty three for a long time. But now it's releasing the same weekend as the movie we are covering. But you know what? It's okay because we thought it would be fun. If, for sidetracks next week, we watch all the original Evil Dead movies, or as much as we can find. Because unfortunately, y'all, they aren't streaming right now because they want us to pay money to watch them. But they've been around for a very long time, so I feel like most people have probably seen them Yep. at this point. And then we're going to go watch the new Evil Dead movie, Evil Dead Rise. Yeah. Which is coming out April 21st in theaters. And that is the weekend of our anniversary weekend. So we were like, oh, that'd be fun. And we're going to have some special guests. Yeah. So we will, the whole, our anniversary episode will be completely dedicated to Evil Dead Rise. But we will be having a roundtable discussion for it. Yes. So it won't be, it'll be more fun because it's a new movie and we won't get to see it more than once before Mm -hmm. we review it. So, but we'll also be talking about the old Evil Dead movie. So that's Evil Dead or the Evil It's The Evil Dead. Sorry. The original one is called The Evil Dead. Mm -hmm. Then there's Evil Dead 2. Then there is Army of Darkness. Then there's a big gap. (laughs) And then they did Evil Dead, the remake. And Evil Dead Rising is actually the sequel to that one. Or, well, it's like in the same universe. Yeah. I've been keeping myself very in the dark about it because I really want to be surprised. But... There's also Ash vs. the Evil Dead, the TV series, which is very fun. Yes. And that is streaming on Netflix right now. But with that, we are going to have to say goodnight. Yes. Honestly, Gizmo is trying to get me to go outside with him. Oh. So be good to one another. Have a good week. We'll see you next week. Sorry we were gone for a week. It's my fault. Um, but I hope you guys had a good Easter or Passover. I think Ramadan's going on right now, too. So whatever holiday you're celebrating... I hope it goes well and you're safe. The world has been a scary place the last couple of weeks. It continues to be. So um, hold everybody close and don't take your rights for granted. And I don't know. We'll, maybe we'll talk about more on sidetracks. But it's been a weird couple of weeks, to say the least. So be careful. Be safe. Um, if you think you're being watched, call the cops. If you feel safe enough to call them. If not, befriend a really big strong person and <laughs> walk home with them 
anyways, I don't know what my advice is, but be good to everybody and take your vitamins, wash your hands, enjoy the springtime. My allergies are driving me absolutely crazy, so take your allergy medicines and uh, do as Gizmo does and just live your life as lazily and as loudly as you possibly can. We love you. Thank you for listening. Yeah, guys. Thank you, as always, for listening. Uh, Happy National Pet Day to you and your babies. Mm -hmm. This is my soapbox every single week. Please, for the love of God, Mm -hmm. spade and neuter your pets. If you are in the Birmingham... Thanks, Bob Barker. Yes. I I swear to God, please spade and neuter them. If you live in the Alabama area and you need help or resources, if you can't afford to spade and neuter your pets, please reach out to me and Katie. We'll always be happy to help you with your resources. I follow so many rescues and shelters on Facebook. Uh, they are drowning. It is a epidemic that people don't want to talk about. That people Foster pets. Foster, please, for the love of God. It's just... It's so awful, and I'm seeing so many heartbreaking things during this time. I mean, I know we'll get into a lot of things um, to do with human rights, and that's very, very special and important, too. But for me, um, who finds solace and comfort in animals, I feel like I'll always have to speak out on behalf of them. Because, of course, they, they don't have the voices to speak out. So please, guys, take care of your pets, and please spay and neuter your pets. We love you all very much. We appreciate every single one of you for listening. You know, I we we talk about seasonal depression, and I feel like some people get depressed during the spring. I know I do sometimes still, um, just because I'm not a warm weather type gal. <laughs> so I end up yeah. I end up uh, staying in the house and maybe not getting a lot of sunshine. Um, if you need to reach out and talk to somebody, you know our DMs are always open, even if we don't know you very well. Please never hesitate to reach out. Also, therapy is awesome yes yes never be ashamed to go to therapy it's so important so yeah we love you guys we appreciate each and every one of you we're so glad you're here with us and we just look forward to seeing you next time um same spoopy time same spoopy channel stay spoopy spoopy, y'all bye bye Bye. good night (laughs) good day good morning good afternoon okay Bye. bye Grindhouse Girls Podcast is a production by Katie Dale and Britt Ray. 
Our editor is N.R. Moody. All music used is royalty-free and can be found in our annotations. You can follow us on all of our socials. And if you have any comments, questions, or just want to say hey, our email is contactus at grindhousegirlspod.com. Thanks for listening.